And we're back here. Uh, so we're going to be jumping and looking at the last uh, part of Acts chapter 2 this morning. So if you have your uh, Bibles, flip on over to that last section, starting in verse 42 of Acts chapter 2. I'm here joined by Pastor My- uh, Mario, Pastor Milo here. And uh, we've been bat around the question for the last couple minutes as we've asked you. We've asked about your house. Um, we're kind of keeping this theme. We asked about this a few weeks ago, and you'll see why in a minute here. But we've been talking about, not necessarily this time, about where we've stayed and the different places we've gone, but the, the house we're in now, how would you describe it? If you could look around your house right now and br- briefly kind of describe it, we'd ask you too, if you haven't commented yet, what, how would you describe your house or your apartment or uh, wherever you're living? What would you say about it as you look around? It might look a little different right now because you're at home all the time. But in general, how would you say the vibe is from that? Uh, uh, Milo, what would you say the vibe of your house is uh, if someone to walk in and kind of take a look? Well, we, we did a renovation in our house like a year or two ago. Right, and right. so we, we were just commenting it with us of, of really what it looks like for our house to suddenly... Uh, be enough space to move around in and when we were even looking at pictures this week as to how small the kids were when we did the addition I mean if we hadn't done that addition we would have been eating our eating our young I think I mean it would have been pretty, yeah. pretty rough uh, so it is nice to be able to have that space our house is generally you know got right now we got a puppy that we're tripping mm-hmm. over and toys that we're tripping over but our house is definitely lived in there's evidence that there's people in that house there's no question about that yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely um, as I'm, I'm looking at Facebook here, some uh-huh. of the comments that yeah, came Yeah, what in, are they saying? Uh, one of the things I saw, uh, Kathy, she says that her house no longer has a 1960s bathroom. So Nice. 2020, she's glad that at least her house has that upgrade yeah. in it. Uh, there are some people who are uh, neat freaks and they're cleaning. Not many, though. I, I, I've, I asked that kind of question to see who else was out there. Mm-hmm. Um, most people are agreeing that... Their houses are pretty cluttered right now. I think that's pretty normal. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What are you guys finding on there? Yeah, well, my, my, uh, my wife just commented, we have a saying, we want it to be clean enough to be healthy, but dirty enough to be happy, right? Yeah. Sort there of that idea yeah. Of, yeah. of you yeah. can't keep it so perfect that, uh, that uh, you're going crazy, particularly with three kids. You've got four, you know, yeah. you've got yeah. two. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, we, we, we like a cleaner house, so we, we pick up a lot more. We, I said here, we purge a lot. We enjoy just kind of simplifying our things, but... Uh, yeah, it's keeping up with the toys and everything can be hard. What about you, uh, Mario? Uh, we're, we're pretty cluttered right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the thing about our house is, uh, Denise, we, have, we, we joke around a lot about this, is that um, she says the house is so dirty. Hmm. And, what does that mean, really? Yeah, and, and to me, dirty is there's dirt. Right, yes. Right. Which we, do, which we have because we have a dog and it's muddy. Yeah. So there's that aspect. But, but what she really means is there's just a lot of clutter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think that's what she means. Uh, yeah. So I have to like yeah. distinguish. Send your are, are, you saying, are, you, yeah. are, are you saying it's dirty? Like we're all going to get sick yeah. or is it just cluttery? And then it just all ends up in my music room. It uh-huh. all just gets piled up in one room. Yeah. You know, which, there always seems to be that one, one place, like that one room that yeah. like all that yeah. stuff goes to and you don't know what yeah, to exactly, do with it. Exactly. It just sticks in there. So the longer this goes on, I'm learning, uh-huh. you know, I'm more and more obsessive compulsive, I think. <laughs> and I've already kind of got that as a tendency already. But yes, I have to be reined in. I like that statement about, is it dirty enough to be happy? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like, because yeah. I gen- generally will kind of go on a cleaning freak out um, just because I've tripped over one too many things or whatever. Yeah. I just get more and more obsessed thinking <laughs> that 
but you're right. You're not going to fix that. Give it 10 minutes and it's going to be back yeah. in the same state, right. particularly when you're living with other people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So keep letting us know what is your, what's the vibe of your house? If you walked around and looked at, uh, at, at kind of your place, uh, we're talking all the things, the decor, the furnishings, uh, the cleanliness factor. What I find and what we're going to talk about today is your house really is an extension of you. Right, and, and sort of that idea of uh, making a house a home kind of holds that, uh, holds that understanding that you move into a house or you live in a physical house, but then you make it a home with your memories, with your, uh, your stuff, uh, with, uh, with your artwork, with your design, with all the stuff you choose to put up in your home, the things that are on your walls, the things that are on your floors, <laughs> uh, they all tell you things about your story and about who you are. So somebody could walk in to your house and I'd say get a pretty good idea of kind of what the vibe of you and your family uh, are. And what we're going to look at today is the idea that God had a house. If you remember two weeks ago, we talked about God has a house. Mm-hmm. And he lived in this house, which was the temple at first. And so Pentecost was this big, grand event in which God moved out of his old living place, which was the temple, and he moved in to us. And now we, we talked about two weeks ago, we now become the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the ones where God dwells. And so God lives in us. And so the, the question back then, if we asked, and we asked that again, where does God live? Back then, it would be, well, the temple. This is why there was these pilgrimage festivals. You would go to kind of meet God. Now, I don't know if you remember, uh, Mario, but a few years ago, I was sitting in my front, uh, my couch uh, with my front windows there, and this van slowly kind of drove by and stopped uh, right, right by our house. And kind of, I looked at uh, someone, someone looked at me, and I thought, that, that looks a lot like Mario and Denise. And then you like zoomed away. And I turned to Molly and I was like, uh, I think the Delgados are spying on us or, or, or something. They're, they're, busted. Uh, they're yeah, they're yeah. busted. So I yeah. kind of texted you real quick. I said, did you just, did you just drive by my house? And you just wrote yes with this really creepy emoji uh, on it. Right. And I think what you were doing is you were cutting through just to get to dashes. Our road is a cut through to dashes. And, but you know where we live. And so you slow down. You wanted to see, are the Longs home? Are they here, right? And that's, that's what we do in houses. We assume the house is where people live. And so you go to that house to see people. And this is the same uh, in the first century. When you went to visit someone, when you wanted to visit the God, when you wanted to go see where the God was, you went to the temple. And so God now lives in us. We are his temple of the Holy Spirit. But there's actually a second function of what the temple did. The temple not only showed to people where God lived, but it also showed people what God was like. So again, very similar to like our homes. What is God like? The answer would be, well, we'd go look at the temple because they would build temples big or small, the furnishings, the things they would carve on the columns, all these things told a story about what that God was like. And so not only are we asking in the scriptures, and I think the scriptures are pointing to that today in our passage, not only are we asking, what is God, where does God live? And we've, we mentioned that, that he lives in us. But now we're asking the question, well, then what is God like? What is God like? And the answer is the same. We look at the temple and we say the things about the temple, very similar to your homes, the things about that house are going to reveal what God is like. So in the same way, when God makes his dwelling in us, and here's the big point today that we want to get across, when God makes his dwelling in us, when we become God's temple, we are called to live in such a way 
to show the world what God is like. And so I don't think there's any mistake that this description of what the church is doing, how it's functioning here in this text this morning, uh, is coincidence. We find it right in the Pentecost event because we are showing, God is showing us that he now moves into us as God's people. And then we are going to start doing things that reflect and show what God is like. Let me put it to you this way. If your son or your daughter or your niece or your nephew, your grandchild, or the children here at Randall Church wanted to know what God was like, would they look at your life and say, that's what God is like? Would they look at your behaviors, how you treat people, how you live your day-to-day life? If they saw you, would they say, ah, that's, that's what God is like? Or maybe another way, you'd say it similarly. If your coworkers, your superiors, your employers, uh, your social networks, even maybe your enemy, wanted to know what God was like, Would they look at us, at Randall Church? Would people in this community look at Randall Church and go, you see the way they're doing stuff? That's what God is like. And so here in chapter 2, right at the end of this Pentecost event, we are going to get a description of what God is like based on how his house, his temple, is functioning and looking. And so we're going to look at different uh, uh, passage, uh, different uh, sections of that. But before that, let me read just to you the whole section. It's not a long section this morning, but it's crammed with a lot of good stuff. We're going to look at that this morning. So in uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 42, it says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who has need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so again, we're getting this description of what God is like based on when people from the outside looked at this community and got a sense for who he was like based on what they were doing. There was this added number that was happening because people were looking at how this little group was functioning Well, it wasn't so little anymore. It was about 3,000 at this point. (laughs) This larger group, growing number of people were growing and saying, ah, that's what God is like, and I want in. I want in to what they're doing because I want to to worship that God. So let's just take a look at a few of the aspects this morning. And the first one we want to look at is the idea of their, their devotion to one another. It says in the text they were devoted to the fellowship. And here's the main point we want to come across here. They were devoted to the fellowship because... We are committed to each other. When we are committed to each other, we are showing the world that God is committed to us. We are committed to each other in this fellowship because God is committed to us. Pastor Milo, why don't you walk us through a little bit about what this means and how this plays out at our church? Yeah, thanks, Pastor Brian. As we, as we look at this text, if we're really going to ask that question, uh, is, is this what God looks like? If we look at each other and say, is that what God looks like? And being committed to each other. Uh, when I was in high school, I was one of the guys who had a lot of Christian t-shirts that I would wear. I don't know if, if you were that guy or that gal, uh, but that was just kind of my thing. I became the guy who had a lot of different Christian t-shirts. One of them said, 
uh, Pepsi Cola, but really if you look close, it said Jesus Christ kind of in that uh, thing. And uh, I had one, though, that had uh, on, the, on the front of the shirt, it said, who are you committed to? And it was a black and white shirt, and it kind of had a, a red stripe running down the side of it. And if you look more closely, you realize uh, that it was a picture of Jesus on the cross uh, with blood running down uh, to try to get your attention to say that that Jesus's commitment that he made to you and I is entirely different than our commitment when we talk about those type of things. So if we're going to be committed to each other. Uh, we need to understand that God committed himself to us in the most, uh, the most tangible of ways of sacrificing himself on our behalf as a ransom for our sins. The author of Hebrews puts it this way and reminds us, it says, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. We have this hope, this anchor, firm and secure, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ because of what he has done and how he committed himself to us. We know that because it's tangible. It's a bedrock anchor that we can grab a hold of. It's, it's, it's a, the anchor that we can drop down, sink it in deep, and it locks on and keeps us secure when life's storms come. Uh, that's the type of hope that we have because of God's commitment to us. Uh, yesterday, this week, my, my daughter and I went out and we just went for a walk. And, and one of our favorite things to do, I take a football with me and we just run routes when we walk. She, she'll run up, she'll run in the next driveway, cut over, and I'll throw her a pass. She'll catch the pass, keep her feet in balance. You know, we got to make sure that we do those things. And, and we do that often. Uh, I've, I've spent a lot of time uh, with my father-in-law, running routes with my father-in-law. There was a, a time when I was in college that I really thought there was a good chance that maybe I could walk on our college football team. We were just a small Christian college, so I wasn't trying to walk on to Clemson University or anything like that. Uh, and so I had like these hopes and aspirations thinking that maybe I could play football at an upper level. Here, here, here's the reality of the situation was I have literally in my entire life, I have never put on football pads and a helmet. Uh, I, I'm not really that hopeful uh, to, to think that I'm going to make it uh, in the NFL or make it in any higher level. And at this point, I'm 40 years old. I'm not playing football anywhere. Uh, but the reality is if that's the hope that I have for the future, that's, that's a long, long shot to say the least. The hope that we have in Jesus Christ is firm and it's secure because of his commitment to us. And in the same way, we find that the local church, when we commit to each other, we actually have a stronger hope that is formed in that, an anchor uh, in Christ that we all are grabbing a hold of and, and grabbing a hold to. So I want to talk just real briefly here. As, as uh, the lead pastor here, I get the opportunity to be able to meet with people when they want to become part of our church. Uh, when we want to be in fellowship one with another, when we want to uh, be in, in lockstep together as fellow believers in Christ. Let me just talk real quickly about church membership because that's something that many of you uh, have come back different times. I've had conversations with some of you and say, I don't see church membership in the Bible. Why does it have to be part of our local church? And to be totally honest with you, at one point, I got to be the lead pastor of a church, a church plant where we started from scratch. And I was able to say, okay, what are we absolutely going to have as, as what is going to be church membership? Do we need this as part of our church? So very quickly, I want to tell you why church membership is something we need to take a look at. First of all, church membership is not something you are ever going to find in Scripture. You're not going to find uh, the word church membership in Scripture. But before you go too far down that path, you also need to know you're never going to find Jesus Christ say, I am God. You're not going to find that in Scripture either. 
You're also not going to find the word Trinity or the words Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all together in one clean package either. But we believe in those things for sure. But when we talk about the church, we talk about church membership, we get that from the idea of the body of Christ that's being talked about in many of the letters of the New Testament. And so when we look at those, one of the things you're going to find is that the church gathers together, just like we're doing here virtually right now, but typically we'd be doing that in this room. We, we come together. And you might be able to say, well, I gather together. I, I watch television of all kinds of pastors all over the country, and so I'm gathering together in that way. Uh, let's, let's, let's be clear here. We're talking about gathering together with a specific group of believers in one place. Let's continue. We also see that, uh, that the church is gathering together as a matter of discipline, we see. Uh, because when, when someone has, has, has left the flock, there's a matter of discipline that is saying uh, we need to be able to, to uh, uh, excommunicate them from the church if necessary. Well, how are you going to do that if they were never a part of a local body? If you're talking about the larger church, is the entire church uh, going to have church discipline over uh, a local church member? I don't believe so. You also see church leadership is something that is being demonstrated with church membership. That church leadership, I as a pastor of the church, it's my responsibility to care for the flock. It's my responsibility to do so. And I carry a high responsibility is what it says, that I will answer to God for my flock. If that's the case, then is that flock a wide-ranging group of people or is it a specific group of people? Is it over all of time since Christ's resurrection or is it during a specific time? I believe it's during a specific time. And then lastly, you as the church, you as church members, it's your responsibility to keep the pastor, to keep uh, the shepherd uh, accountable, to make sure that he is not teaching or preaching or sharing heresy or anything that would go against God's word. That's your responsibility as well. And so being able to do that and being able to say that, we believe, is really what it comes down to being devoted to fellowship. And it's all a mirror. It's all a reflection back to understanding the commitment that God has made to you and to me with great sacrifice. And in the same way, we commit one to another as members of the local body, Christ's church. So that's really what I believe is being talked about here when we see fellowship of the church. Yeah, we are committed to each other because God is committed to us. Again, if we walk through your home, we would get a sense of who you are based on what your house was like. And so when people walk through God's house, which is us now, we would hope they would see people devoted to one another. And there's something really comforting about being devoted, right? My, my daughter at night, she's asked sometimes, she's like, uh, are we going to be together forever? You know, she sees uh, uh, different uh, uh, things that are happening, she, and, and she's nervous, and she goes, are, we're, we're going to stick together, though. Hmm. And I've been able to tell her, yes, we will always be together. We are committed to you. Your mom and I are committed to each other. And, and that, that comfort of devotion to the fellowship is really something that is, uh, is comforting. Yeah. And when people see us devoted to one another, they see a devotion that God has for, for you and for us. So this is one way we reflect God's heart to the world. Another thing we see, and I'm actually going to combine two, uh, two kind of concepts here together, but one of the things we see here in our passage this morning is that they're meeting together and they're breaking bread together. They are meeting together and they're breaking bread. And, and the point here is that when we are present with each other, we are reflecting a God who is present with us, When we are present with each other, when we're meeting together, when we're breaking bread, we are reflecting and showing a God who is present with us as well. And this is actually an interesting point to make at a time like this, 
where we can't be physically present with each other, right? And the idea here is that when you're devoted to one another, you actually have to spend time together. You actually have to actually be physically together to uh, show people that we are coming together around this. This is actually something that we, we are losing the sense of, I find, as I look around, right? We're in our isolated little homes. And not, I'm not even talking about the pandemic. I'm talking about even before that, right? That sort of that suburban, you, you drive into your driveway, you pull into your garage, you yep. close the door, and it's your own little individual castle. And we begin to lose the power of presence, we begin to lose the idea that we gather together. This is why I think like sporting events are actually something that really resonates with people. We don't know any of you, but when you get 80,000 people together all kind of after the same thing, there's something really cool, really special about that. And how much more then when we gather together as the church, right? And so meeting together becomes something that's very important. And I believe right now, this is the best way we can meet together. Right? We honor and, and we want to stay safe. We want to help uh, the most uh, the, vul the vulnerable among us. We want to do our part in that, so we're looking out for them by doing this. Uh, so I believe that this is why we actually format uh, this time the way we do. We want to create a sense that we're kind of in this together. You're not just watching one person yep. give a monologue for 45 minutes, but we want interaction. We look at our phones, literally. We're all watching you give your responses. We want to create that feel. Mm -hmm. So we're doing the best we can in this time to help create that. But we also know we're staring at a blank, uh, a blank sanctuary here, <laughs> and we all want to get back together. And it's actually my hope that after this pandemic is over, that one of, if there's any silver linings here whatsoever, is it reinvigorates our sense of presence. It reinvigorates our sense that it is important to be together and not just interact on Facebook and not just interact on Twitter, not just interact uh, on online services, but to be physically here together. Because when we do that, we are showing and revealing the world a God who is present with us hmm. at all times. The other thing it says is they broke bread. Breaking bread back in those days was more than just eating together. There, it was actually a symbolic act of uh, of socially associating with somebody else. This is actually why Jesus gets in trouble when he eats with the Pharisees, right? Uh, or he eats with the sinners and tax collectors. The Pharisees get on him and say, what are you doing eating with them? Because they know that this is more than just an act of, of filling, filling your belly with food. You are socially declaring that I am in association with them. And the Pharisees could not understand how Jesus, this rabbi, this holy person, would want to associate with sinners and tax collectors. And so when it says on our passage that they ate together, it is more than just them sharing a meal. They are associating with one another. So to be devoted to the fellowship is to value the meaning of meeting and to be willing to associate with everyone. Everyone. And so no matter, we've got different people from all different walks of life, socioeconomic uh, economic levels, uh, different racial levels. People are coming together and associating with one another in the church in ways that the world would say, I can't believe that group of people would come together and fellowship with one another. There must be something special about that. And that's what we see here. A, a group of people devoting themselves to one another, being present, meeting together, and sharing meals together to associate with one another, showing the world a God who, who wants to associate with everyone and be present 
with everyone. We do this with our care corridors. Uh, we divide and we, uh, not divide, we organize ourselves into five different care corridors uh, around school districts because we want to try to bring that proximity as close as we can to provide care, to provide spiritual oversight. Our elders, we have a couple elders for each of our care corridors, whether it's the Williamsville, the Clarence, the Lancaster, Cheektowaga, or the Boulevard. We've got elders who are uh, caring, who are assigned specifically to those uh, areas. We've got deacons who are looking after physical needs that are contacting you, uh, looking after you, uh, checking in, making sure that you're doing okay. All of this is a sense to bring in that sense of meeting together, uh, bringing that proximity close, and caring for one another. Hmm. Uh, through, no matter, not just, uh, not just uh, people we like, but everyone. We associate hmm. with everyone. And so we are present with each other because God is present with us. That's another way we do it here at Randall. And finally, we want to look at one, uh, specific, one other specific thing that we see here, and it's this idea of common life, this idea that, uh, that they are sharing possessions with one another, they're being very generous with one another. And the idea here is this. We are generous to each other because God is generous to us. We are generous to each other because God is generous to us. It's the idea of a common life. Uh, this generosity that people are giving one another as a reflection of the generosity God gives to us. Pastor Mario, will you walk us through uh, that portion uh, of the scripture? Yeah, I love, I love this morning as, as we're talking. Uh, the sense, I hope you're seeing this, is that the way we live our life as a church is a response to the very character of God. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so we are generous to each other because God is generous to us. James tells us that our Father in Heaven is a good Father who is generous. And in the, in the specific context of what's happening here in Acts, we see that the Holy Spirit has been poured out onto the church, to the believers. It's given them these supernatural powers. We see here that there's awe and wonder happening because miraculous signs are being done. We see the church coming together as a community, serving one another. We see them encouraging one another. We see God in, increasing their number. And all of this, as we look at this Acts chapter 2, is because of the Holy Spirit working in, the, in their midst. Throughout the New Testament, we see passages where we learn about the spiritual gifts that are happening that are available in the church to, bodies of, to the body mm-hmm. of believers. And, you know, in our, in our, in our culture, in, in, in the broader picture of Christianity, sometimes we like to overlook uh, certain spiritual gifts and focus on the ones that are more... Um, uh, more, I don't know, uh, more spectacular, I guess yeah, is the yeah, word yeah. we can it's use, right? Yeah. We, like to, we like to see a television person heal somebody, or we like to talk about, you know, all the supernatural gifts that, that deal with those kinds of things. But if you look at in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, there's actually other things, other spiritual gifts that God has given the church besides healing, besides speaking in tongues. There's gifts of administration, and mercy and encouragement and helping one another. And this is what we see happening here in Acts chapter 2, is that as the Holy Spirit is poured out into the believer's life, the Holy Spirit, who is God, who came from the Father, as it's poured out into the believer's lives, they are now reflecting that as a community. They are serving one another. They are loving one another. You can, you can go through all of Paul's letters, Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, Galatians, each one of these uh, books, 
Paul talks about the church serving and loving one another because of what God has done in, in the life of the church. And we see it happening here in Acts. And so as we think about being generous to one another, we have to realize it's because of what God has done in our life. Right. The Holy Spirit living in us, we being God's house because his spirit lives within us. As a church, we hope that um, Randall can be that way. And I know personally from in our family, Denise and myself, we have experienced that love and that um, generosity towards our family. Mm -hmm. uh, over the last month, we've had uh, Denise's side of the family has had some very tragic things happen. Uh, several, a month ago, two months ago, uh, one of her aunts living in New Mexico was, uh, was attacked by a, a, a pit bull. Hmm. Uh, she was on the verge of death. We didn't know what was going to happen. But praise God, she made it through that. Uh, and just this last week, um, her, Denise's aunt in California just passed away suddenly from a heart attack. And so the church has just, uh, thank you so much for your prayers, for your concern, and just the way that, that you've wrapped your arms around, of love around Denise and our family during this time, because it's been a very um, trying time and we're still working through some things. And if I could be an encouragement to you, um, I, I mentioned Denise's aunt in New Mexico was attacked by a dog. Um, well, she actually sent us a video wanting to thank the church for praying for her and sending her cards. And our tech team's gonna show that for us right now. Hi everyone. My name is Rose Thoyne. I'm Denise Delgado's aunt and Mario Delgado's as well. And um, I wanted to just say thank you to all of you for the prayers, the cards, everything you've sent my way. I really feel it. And I feel that God is pulling me through this, through everyone's voices. And I, I just am so grateful for everyone out there and for the lovely things they do in the prayers and um, Denise and Mario have wonderful friends and a church family and God bless you all and keep you all safe and I may have to undergo two or three more surgeries so continued prayers are really needed and and I thank you again and God bless you all bye so thank you, thank you again, church, for praying for our family, praying for Denise during this time, uh, because it's meant a lot to us. And um, we just, you know, as a church family, we just come together. That's what we do. And um, I'm, before I throw it back to Brian, you know, one of the things I want to mention here is that um, these things that God does within you, they've got to come from the power of God. Mm -hmm. in, in the book of Romans, the book of Corinthians, when Paul talks about the spiritual gifts, he says that you should contribute to the needs of others with generosity. And that's what it is. I could have a million dollars, but if I'm not giving and serving of the Lord through generosity, uh, you know, I'm not going to, you know, it doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to give those gifts. Hmm. It's got to become because the, the Lord is working within my life and yeah. allowing me to serve him. That's great. Absolutely. And I think that's for, for all of the points we're trying to make here. I think that's what we're really trying to press upon you is the idea that there is purpose behind what we do here in the church. Mm -hmm. There is purpose behind it. God doesn't just give us a set of check marks to accomplish and to-dos and hoops to jump through. That the things we do, the rhythms of our community that, that uh, are given to us in Scripture are given in order to reflect the very thing that God has done for us. So, Milo, I love that you put here on the comments that we love because God first loved us. That's exactly the heart behind this. So when we meet together, when we physically come to a building some, someday, when we're able to come back, 
We're not going to do that just because it's a to-do that I have to do to get my spiritual check mark. No, we come to devote ourselves to one another because we're showing the world God's devotion to us and God's presence to us and God's generosity to us. There's a purpose, there's a method to the madness, so to speak, in this. We're super generous to one another. We're, we're super present. We're super devoted because God is even, even exponentially more devoted, present, and generous with us. So what is God like? What is God like? Well, look at, look at the house and look at God's people, and that's going to be what it is. So guys, we've been batting things around here for a while, and, and we know we've just scratched the surface of this passage. There are other things, other questions that, are, are, that come up, things that you might have in it. Uh, one question that comes up uh, for me often when we look at this passage is, uh, okay, so Mario, everyone is sharing these possessions like you talked about, but is this just like a free-for-all then? Should, should this look like, you know, if I need your lawnmower, I'm just going to drive over and like throw it in the back of my van and drive away? Like, how does this actually look practically yeah. uh, looking at this passage? Mm, yeah, that's a good question. So one of the things we see happening in Acts is in a couple chapters, what we, what we realize is that actually people brought these, um, these gifts, if yeah. you will, uh, whether it was you know, financial things or whatever, they actually brought them to the, the apostles mm -hmm. and the church. Mm -hmm. And then it was from there that it was distributed out. And so we kind of see that same thing happening. Uh, and here at Randall, it's a great example of that. We have a care fund mm -hmm. yep. um, where obviously if you're serving and helping one another, praise God. Um, but if you're not sure what the needs are, we have a care fund here at the church where um, where that goes specifically to needs that um, the elders are aware of, things that you may not be aware of, but people let us know, and they, you know, and, and through the through the years, that's that's been things like um, like car troubles, people needed help paying for that, or um, just rent, mortgages, those kind of things. So we see that kind of that thing happening within the Book of Acts. Yeah. It was given to a central location, mm -hmm. the church, and then the, the leadership of the church distributed out, and um, and kind of to go along with your question, maybe a little tongue in cheek. Um, you know, they, there wasn't a gun held to their head to give. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? It was, again, out of the, the, the spirit working through them mm -hmm. is why they gave mm -hmm. and why they contributed. Yeah, it's almost like you see this, um, like we get a description here, these like, you know, few verses here as the beginning. And again, like I said, I think the placement of it is intentional. We're seeing kind of an idyllic look at them, kind of generally speaking, this is what we were doing. But then as the book of Acts continues, that all gets teased out a little more, yeah, and we yeah. see a little bit more of what, how they actually did that. So like you said, in a few weeks, we're going to hit verse chapter 4. And we're going to see, yes, they shared everything in common. But now let's give you a little more detail of how that actually administratively-wise played out. Same with, uh, you know, one person asked, well, what happens if everyone doesn't approve of Christians, right? Like, they had all, if you're doing this in, the, in this passage, it, it certainly looks like then everyone should just love the church. Mm -hmm. But we know that's not true, right? We see later in Acts, like, Paul gets thrown out of more cities than he can think of, right? Yeah. And so you kind of get a more, like, uh, a more general look at what how this should work and then the rest of acts kind of teases that out a little more well i think that's true as well when you look at this this snapshot also of the wonders and miracles that mm. are being performed yeah. that you're just getting a snapshot here a general oversight that there's something spectacular happening here uh, but if you also look at the rest of the letters that are written to the church or even the rest of the book of Acts, specifically, let's talk about Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas are thrown into prison mm -hmm. uh, for speaking out against uh, uh, the Roman rule and they're speaking out the love of Christ. And so as they do that, as they, they get thrown into prison, 
and then God blows the door of the prison open while they're singing hymns and songs and spiritual songs. They're having a worship service in the middle of the night. He blows the doors open, and something spectacular happens. And what do you see? You see everyone that was in the jail cell, the jailer himself, they look at what has happened with awe and with wonder. Yeah. And so do we look at that one to say that God has given us the ability to go into a jail cell and blow all the doors open? <laughs> right. like, like, no, that's a very specific mm-hmm. thing, and you see that through all of the letters in the New Testament, that, that there's these different ways that God is using spectacular events mm-hmm. to deal with a very specific problem. And I would say right now, we're in a very specific scenario uh, of time, mm-hmm. right? Nothing that we've ever seen like this before. And God is doing some spectacular things during this specific time yeah. that we've never seen before. Yeah. And so uh, we, we should not be uh, looking at this as a prescription for how uh, everything will always happen in the local church, but more of a description of what happened then yeah, and there. That's a great point. And I think we need to avoid both extremes on this issue, right? I think one extreme is sort of that sensational, like it, none of that happens anymore. That's That's something God did back then, and he doesn't do that. We know that's not true, right? We get reports from our partners of miraculous things that are happening around the world. So that's not true. But the other extreme is sort of, yeah, like you said, sort of this prescribed, standardized, this should be the norm every single time we get together, every single time people are gathered, that these, if, if, if the spirit was really working. Well, the Apostle Paul, right? He's <laughs> yeah. bitten by venomous snakes. And so should we bring venomous snakes right. into our church? Right. To exactly. See if, like, no, that right. doesn't make any sense to me. And that's the, that's the, the, the problem with interpreti- <laughs> interpreting scripture in that way. Yeah, I don't like snakes. I'm done with snakes. Me, we're not doing that. That's not, that's no, not right. happening. <laughs> For sure. So yeah, these are other things that uh, issues that are, arise, and these are this is why we need to come with the scriptures together as mm-hmm. a community to say, what is the heart behind what they were doing in the first century, right after Pentecost? What was the author? What is Luke trying to communicate by doing that? That's all part of our interpretive work. And then ask the question, well, what does this look like in 2020? Yeah. Yeah. And it might not specifically look exactly that way uh, then, but we still want the heart of what they were doing and why they were doing it to remain. And that heart is this, that God is incredibly present with you. He's incredibly devoted to you, and he is incredibly generous with you. And so we then as a community reflect what this is. See, I I believe, and I think uh, uh, people like Ed Stetzer, who is a researcher, a Christian researcher, he's finding, and you wrote an article about this a while back, he's finding that people are more hungry right now for spiritual things than ever before, which makes sense. When you're in a pandemic, when you're in something that has never happened in our lifetime, people are questioning uh, everything, and they're actually open to spiritual things. And so because of this, right now in this environment where they're going, where do they go? Where should they go to get the answers for, this, uh, for these questions they're having. And in the Bible, it says you go to God's house. Hmm. If they want to find God, where do you go? You go to the house. And that's us. Yep. We want people to come interacting with you as best you can over uh, social media or through windows or through uh, six feet apart walks or however you do that. We, we would hope that you would be connecting with people. And as they have questions, they're going to go to the house. They're going to God's house, just like Mario did when he knew we lived there, and he drove on by. He knows that's where the longs live. What people are asking now is, where is God? And they're going to come to you, and they're going to come to us 
as the church. And Milo, it should be obvious where he lives, right? Right, right. right? It should, should be it obvious. Be clear? Right. right, exactly. Yeah. And we're going to talk in a little bit about our, our presence project we're doing right now to help people know where does God live? He lives in us. He mm-hmm. lives in our community. So what are we going to do? What is God like? We're going to be really generous mm-hmm. out in the world. We're going to be really devoted to one another, mm-hmm. out, to each other. And we're going to meet and break bread together and associate with people that might not uh, be normal. People would normally think would associate with one another. We're going to break bread together because that's what God is like. And so I'm just really excited for the ways that we have been responding to this, some of the ways that I've been encouraged by our church and stories that have come up uh, in this way that we'd love to continue to tell you about uh, these things. Uh, Milo, why don't you just tell us right now sort of uh, what, what we did this week and what we hope to get out of that. Yeah, this week we had the opportunity as a staff, we went out, it took us a good four or five hours per staff. Yeah. It took a little longer than we expected. I got oh, a good I, sense of the South Towns. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so you see this sign right here says, Hi, neighbor. And it says, Randall Church loves you. And we put these stick signs in many of your yards. There's 150 of them that we had. And we put them out and we stuck them down in the yards facing your house. We wanted you to know that we love you and that we care for you. And so actually, as we look forward to this coming week, we want you to be able to take a similar uh, approach to be able to take that stick sign that you have and um, we, we were messing around with names that we should call this, like flip them the sign or something like that. And I don't think that, that didn't that have a good ring to it. Didn't have a good ring to it. But we're asking you to take the sign, spin it around, face it to your neighbors, and be the good neighbor. To be able to, to show and demonstrate the presence of God. Uh, that through this, this uh, local church, the way that we're able to demonstrate God's love through our local church, that we would love to be a good neighbor and show the love of Christ in a very practical way. Uh, that your home, that your house uh, is able to be a bridge of God's love in a very practical way to people across the street and across the neighborhood. There are people all over our region who need help, and we don't know about it. Uh, and we have the resources available because of your generosity as a church, the way that you've given. We have the resources available. We have food available. We have things that they need. We've got uh, physical needs, emotional needs, and spiritual needs. We are prepared to meet those needs. Would you uh, help connect the dots for people to say, uh, we, we want to be good neighbors and be able to do that. So that's our presence project this week. We're just calling it our good neighbor project for the week for you to flip that sign around. We've actually even ordered 50 more signs for some of you have been asking, hey, can I have a few additional ones? I want to take signs and stick them other places in the neighborhood. We'd love to be able to do that because we really want to demonstrate that God is alive in us in our different homes throughout the area. God has moved into the neighborhood and he is present and he is available and he's committed to every man, woman, and child in this region. That's great. Yeah. And Pastor Mario, can you uh, talk through then some of, these are basically our announcements, but we're doing it in a a different way. Talk us through then uh, on a weekly schedule during Mm -hmm. this pandemic, how are ways that we are meeting together? How are ways that we're continuing to be devoted to one another? Walk us through a typical week on ways that we're doing that. Yeah, let's get, let's get connected. Let's stay connected. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and if you are in any of these, this is for everybody in the church. So we're hoping that we're able to meet the needs of every, um, Everybody in our Mm -hmm. church, whether it's tonight with the high school group at 6 p.m., our Sunday evening uh, Zoom meeting, Monday night, Pastor Milo and Aaron hold their virtual meeting. This is on Facebook Live. Mm -hmm. Tuesday night, we have the Tuesday at 2 youth stream. We've got the uh, middle school group on Tuesday night also at 6.30 via Zoom. And then on Wednesday, Pastor Brian and Molly host their, um, their virtual meeting on Facebook. And then Thursday night, for any of you in our partner club, CSB, AHG, thank you again to those leaders for helping those, um, those 
uh, ministries to continue going during this time. Saturday night, you should be getting the slideshow for the children's ministry. And then we're back here again Sunday morning uh, to be able to worship together via Facebook Live. So thank you so much for that. You know, as Pastor Milo mentioned, we are, we are, we're still serving. You know, I, 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 I get frustrated when I'm on Facebook, guys, or social media, <laughs> and I see pastors complaining about the church being closed. Listen, guys, the church isn't closed. Mm -mm. The ministry church is, is not ministry stopped. Ministry is yeah. not stopped. Yeah. Whether you have a congregation of 10 or 2,000, the church does not stop. That We continue to serve, and thank you for allowing us to do that, um, church, for allowing us to continue to serve, continue to, to just be the light in this area. And um, so we just want to ask you again to continue to give normally like you would, give.randallchurch.org. We talked about the CARE Fund. If you feel that you want to um, give to the CARE Fund, please do that because we want to be able to help our community. And in line of that, if there is a need that you know, like Pastor Milo mentioned, please let us know. Mm -hmm. Let us know um, how we can be of service to the community and shine the love of Jesus to, to the people around we live with. That's great. Yeah, yeah and um, in an act, I would say, maybe of ultimate devotion is the ability for us to come together for an annual meeting. Wouldn't you say? <laughs> I would say that if, if yeah. nothing else shows your devotion to a fellowship, it is being willing, particularly on Zoom, being willing to come and be part of that. So, Pastor Milo, tell us a little bit more about that. I just I do need to clarify. Brian is saying this tongue in cheek. The ultimate act of devotion is not the annual meeting. No, the ultimate I'm, I'm act joking. Of devotion is to give your heart and soul to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We want to be very clear about that. But we also would love for you to come to our annual meeting uh, next week. This is this is a different uh, approach than we've ever done before. Uh, we'll be having our annual meeting. I want to read it to you in a formal announcement, and then I'll give you some specifics to it that go like this. So to all who shall hear these words, greetings. Notice is hereby given that the annual meeting of the membership of Helen M. Randall Memorial Baptist Church will be had, uh, held on May the 17th, 2020 at 1 p.m. via Zoom conference meeting for the purpose of electing elders Bill Hind and Kevin Lamb voting on the proposed budget, and for transactions of other such business as may be brought before the church for consideration. All right, so that's what's happening next week. Uh, next week at 1 p.m., so you'll, you'll come to our gathering here online, our Facebook Live gathering will happen at 10.15, and then you'll go get yourself a sandwich, and you'll come back at 1 p.m. We'll send out the email link to you this week. I also want to clarify for you, because this is a Zoom meeting, uh, and we do need a quorum, and we do need to uh, give you opportunity to vote in the meeting. We have a plan for all of those things. If you are a voting member, we ask you to have one device per voting member. So that means that there are three people in your household who are voting members of our church. Uh, we ask you to have three devices to do so. Um, if you want your whole family to watch, or if there's only one of you uh, that is a member, uh, we want you to be able to uh, just make sure you have one device per person. The nice thing about Zoom is you can do that through a computer, through a phone, through a tablet. Um, we also are making some arrangements for some of you who are not going to be able to do that. So we just need to know that ahead, time, ahead of time. So if you can shoot us an email at office at randallchurch.org, if that's going to be an issue for you at all, uh, we want to make uh, stipulations for that and be able to cover that. But what we'll do is we'll share with you in many ways what's been going on with the church over the last year, the way we see God going in the coming, coming year, uh, with what's next for us as we go forward. So we'll be covering those things next week at 1 p.m. with a Zoom meeting. 
So we've announced all the different uh, Facebook Live things that we've got going on. Uh, I also want to, I asked for permission to do this. Uh, we, we are going Facebook Live many times during the week, but if you're also interested, uh, Joan Petty has also been going Facebook Live every <laughs> once in a while yeah. throughout the week. Uh, she, was, she was trying to watch a Randall Church broadcast last Sunday, and she went live herself, and she has kind of a mini viral video of her own uh, of her trying to uh, go live. Uh, Boy, we just want to say thank you. Like, first of all, we know this is uncommon territory. We've not been here before. But for many of you who have not been using Facebook before, who have not been doing these things before, thank you for pushing through. Thank you for uh, finding ways to be able to tune in, finding ways to pay attention. And Joan Petty specifically, thank you so much. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. Uh, thank you so, so much for fighting through it and being able to watch us live this morning. We're so grateful to you for that. Yeah. So we'll close with this question. We started with this question. We'll close with it. If your son, your daughter, your niece, your nephew, your grandchild, the children at Randall Kids wanted to know what God was like, would they look at you and say, my dad, my mom, my aunt, my uncle, my grandma, my grandpa, my Sunday school teacher, that is what God is like. Or put it another way, if your coworkers, superiors, employees, social networks, or even enemies wanted to know what God was like, your neighbors who are asking those questions right now, would they look at us at Randall Church and say the same thing? It's my prayer that they would say yes. They would look at what we are doing and say that is just like what God is like. If, if that is what God is like, then I'm in. I want to be part of something like that because he is totally devoted. He's totally present and he's totally generous mm. with us. Mm -hmm. And so we pray that you feel that today. We pray that then you can be that for your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, your Zoom meetings, uh, <laughs> whatever you're going to come into contact this week. May you go from this place and may we as a church collectively go from this place showing the world what God is like. God bless you. We love you. Happy Mother's Day and have a great rest of your week.